Hello and welcome to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard. Thank you so much for joining us for another segment. We're going to be speaking with Dr. Ron Anbar in this segment. He's joining us here as a leading expert in clinical hypnosis to talk about clinical hypnosis, uh, what kind of medical and emotional conditions this type of therapy can treat. He's also going to touch a little bit on the history of clinical hypnosis, some of the misconceptions surrounding it, and uh, what initially interested him in this field. Welcome to Health Professional Radio, Dr. Anbar. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Leading expert in clinical hypnosis and psychology today contributor. Give us a brief look into your professional background and tell us what it was that uh, got you into hypnosis in the first place. Well, I'm a pediatric pulmonologist who is practicing his craft when a patient with asthma and very bad milk allergies uh, came to see me 25 years ago. And he told me um, that when he smelled cheeseburgers, he developed asthma attacks. Now, I thought that was a rather strange symptom, but twice in his life, he almost died from eating milk product. So mm-hmm. I wondered, maybe a milk molecule was wafting through the air, which, by the way, cannot happen, as I learned later. Anyway, I said to him, <clears throat> well, could you please imagine eating a cheeseburger, which he could not do in real life? And when he did so, he developed an asthma attack in front of my eyes. And I said, wait a minute. At first, I said, stop it, because I was worried that he might have a terrible breathing problem. But I said, can you think your way into an illness? And if so, can you think your way out? Mm. And later I found out that was hypnosis. A person can hypnotize themselves? That's correct. So hypnosis is using your imagination, and all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. So what you see in magic shows is not what it appears to be. There is no mind control. Uh, it's The only person in control of your mind is yourself. It's not sleep. Um, you're doing hypnosis. You know what's going on. You can stop at any time. And it's not unusual. We all do hypnosis all the time. Have you ever daydreamed? That's mm-hmm. a form of hypnosis. Have you ever gone three miles down the road and said, how'd I get here? That's mm-hmm. hypnosis. You mentioned not being asleep. What about meditation? Does meditation differ from hypnosis significantly? That's a great question. So both hypnosis and meditation involve changing your mindset, but the goals of the two tasks are different. In meditation, you typically focus on one thing, such as your breath or a mantra, and you work on letting go of all of the thoughts. In hypnosis, you may focus on, let's say, a favorite place, makes you comfortable with the goal of improving. So you give yourself suggestions of how you want to improve. So hypnosis is much more goal-oriented. Are they often mistaken for one for the other in the layman's world or even in the uh, professional world? I think they are sometimes mistaken uh, Mm -hmm. for one for the other because they both involve changing of mindset. They both involve the mind, whereas... Uh, Western medicine is often focused on the body. And sometimes you can actually can, uh, uh, combine meditation elements into hypnosis. So if you can basically think your way in and out of physical manifestations, uh, can you improve uh, your physical performance, say if you're a musician or, or an athlete? Absolutely. Anything your mind controls, you can control better with better mind approaches. So I believe hypnosis can be a benefit to any person with a mind, which is most of us, hopefully. And uh, certainly it's a benefit for any person with, let's say, chronic symptoms. So if you have a chronic problem that causes you aches or pains, um, that will affect your psychology. You might be anxious, you might be depressed, and then hypnosis can help you manage those feelings better and your symptoms will improve. On the other hand, there are a number of patients who develop physical symptoms because of their psychology. A common example might be maybe you have a bad boss at work and you get a headache, or maybe a child is being bullied in school and they develop a stomachache. In those kind of patients, 
when you teach them how to manage their emotions, their symptoms resolve and go away. We have to be talking about the subconscious mind. If you're aware of what you're doing under hypnosis and you're aware of what you're doing uh, when engaged in meditation, is your subconscious mind working differently than it normally does? Is it tapped into your hypnosis or your meditation as your conscious mind is? That's a great question. So, yeah, I think the power of hypnosis lies in the subconscious mind. When, when you do hypnosis, you're actually parking your conscious mind, you're calming it, and that allows the subconscious mind to have more of an effect. So, for example, if uh, you're very nervous and I tell you, calm down, your conscious mind says, I can't calm down, I'm too nervous. But if you're in hypnosis and I say calm down, your, subconscious, your conscious mind is parked, is thinking about a different thing, and then your subconscious mind allows you to calm yourself. And that's why a lot of the phenomena of hypnosis seem to take place outside of your control. They're not. They're, not, they're outside of your conscious control, but it's when you allow your subconscious to take charge that you get some of the wonderful benefits of hypnosis. One of the misconceptions is that hypnosis and meditation are the same thing. Uh, another is that you're under someone else's control. Are there any other misconceptions about uh, hypnosis that you'd like to share with us? Well, Hollywood makes us think that hypnosis can be used for evil. So somebody can control your mind and tell you to do things against your will, which is patently not true. That's probably one of the biggest misconceptions. And one of the biggest hurdles of when I tell people, hey, I do hypnosis, they get scared of it because they have this negative association that's been promulgated for the last hundred years by Hollywood and, and, and movie scripts. Well, you know, there are a number of uh, books and programs and ebooks and all of these things talking about um, influencing others, not with hypnosis, but with uh, the way that you speak or the words that you use. Are there certain words or, or speech patterns that a person can use on themselves? And are those same speech patterns and words used on them by others? Is that a misconception as well? And that's not a misconception. I think we are influenced by others. I mean, education is being influenced by others. Uh, politicians give speeches, they influence others. Uh, the words we use uh, do affect one another. And uh, when you learn about hypnosis, when you learn about using words, you can both affect others, hopefully for the good, and yourself. So a simple example is being positive. So when something happens, you have a choice. You can think about a bad thing that occurred, if it's something bad, or you can think about the positive aspects of it. And how you think about it, how you talk to yourself about it, how you talk to others about it, will affect how they respond. So, for example, let's say you're taking tests and you have trouble with tests and you tell yourself um, before the test, I'm going to fail. I'm worried I'm going to fail. That makes it more likely that you will not succeed because you start believing yourself. On the other hand, if you might tell yourself, I want to succeed. I want to focus well. I want to recall my material well. Your mind thinks in that direction, and then you're more likely to succeed. So that's an example of how words influence. How do you find a, a reputable or, I guess, a real hypnotherapist? Great question. So first of all, hypnosis is not licensed in most of the United States. So anybody can hang out a single and say, I'm a hypnotist. And mm -hmm. They can take weekend courses, and I'm a hypnotist. So first of all, if you're dealing with a medical problem, you want to make sure whoever you work with can treat your medical condition even without hypnosis. Because you may have a complication that somebody without, without medical background will not know how to, that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. 
Number two, you want somebody who has been trained by a reputable organization. Uh, one of the reputable organizations is the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis. Their website is asch.net. And the good thing about this society is they have a listing of all their members uh, who have been uh, certified as being medic appropriate medical providers. So you can actually look up someone in your area. You mentioned a website. Would you give us that website once again where people can go and find more about your medical practice as well as hypnosis? About my, my medical practice, you can look up DrAnbar.com. So D-R, A as an apple, N as an Nancy, B as in boy, A-R.com. And the other website I mentioned from the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis, where you can also get a lot of information about hypnosis, is ASCH.net. Dr. Anbar, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much for uh, joining us here on Health Professional Radio. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Hoping that you'll return. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard. In conversation with Dr. Ron Anbar, audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, listen in, download at SoundCloud, and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, healthprofessionalradio.com.